I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Telegraph. Telegraph. Podcasts. Hey podcast fans, I'm Mina Rizuki. Welcome to the Telegraph Audio Football Club. On the podcast today, Liverpool find a way past an impressive Chelsea to maintain their 100% start to the season. Man City deal out a walloping against Watford and Spurs and Manchester United falter. Anyone surprised? Elsewhere, Arsenal come from behind twice to squeeze past Aston Villa, and there's a Champions League review and a stuttering Barcelona. Okay, so we're in the studio. There's no Tom Kibbs, but we do have a wonderful panel for you. Let's start off with the tactical master that is JJ Bull. Hello, JJ. Hello. How are you doing? I think I have whiplash from playing football yesterday. <laughs> I get absolutely <laughs> battered in about the first 10 minutes when I went, took a guy on on the outside and then looked for the foul and I got taken out, so... Oh, so no Mel Gibson in Gladiator then? Um, I don't know if he was Braveheart. in Gladiator. <laughs> I, I forgot the name of the film, so that's just terrible. How are you, Sam? Sam Dean with us. I'm very well. I'm good. I'm uh, pleased to be back, as ever. And uh, and of course, the legendary Matt Law. Hi. Aston Villavan. How have you been? Have you missed us? No, not at all. Oh, well, that's lovely. Sorry. <laughs> but he has returned legendary, so that's... <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we need to take that name off now. Let's go straight into it, because there have been some fantastic games over the weekend. Uh, nothing more exciting, perhaps, than Chelsea-Liverpool. Liverpool maintained their 100% start. Uh, this is despite many of us wondering whether or not they were going to be, you know, a little bit tired over the summer. <clears throat> Me. So, who will be the first side to take p- points off them? Oh, probably Man City. Um, Chelsea should have done yesterday, for sure. I mean, um, they missed two very good chances, Tammy Abraham and Mason Mount. Um, That's not to say Liverpool weren't good, but Chelsea will feel that certainly they should have got a point. Second half, I was actually surprised at Liverpool. They didn't really... They they started it very fast and Kepa made two good saves, but then after the first five minutes of the second half, I thought it was pretty much all Chelsea. Mm. Um, and a sort of a different Chelsea who may be a bit less naive and a bit more clinical would have certainly got a point, if not three points off them. I thought Liverpool got away with it a little bit on Sunday. Have you felt that way before over the so far the start of the season, that Liverpool can get away with it sometimes? Um, if I'm honest, I haven't watched them close enough. I, haven't, I think that was the first time I've seen them live this season. 
So, but I, w- I was surprised because when they went 2 0 up, I feared for Chelsea. I thought they were going to get spanked. Yeah. And I thought Liverpool would really so- sort of keep their foot on the throat, as it were, and, and go for them. And they actually didn't. Um, I thought they got a little bit sloppy. I, I I agree with Jose Mourinho that Salah went missing a little bit, I thought, up, up top. Um, and I thought there was a real chance there for Chelsea. But it's a big win for Liverpool. Their record away at the top six hasn't been great. Um, after what City did to Watford, um, after six games, we're already kind of looking for responses from teams, which seems a bit ridiculous. But that's the nature of the fact that it's so clearly just a two-horse race so early. Um, and they needed to respond and they did. So it's a big win. You know what? Liverpool are just really good at the fundamentals and they're really good at taking advantage of so many situations. Brilliant at set pieces. 33 goals since the beginning of last season. Sam, what is it that they're doing differently? Um, Well, I think they're doing the same things they always do, but they're doing them very well still. And they do them so well that other teams don't know how to fix the problem. I was was thinking about the the set pieces thing and it's I haven't got any analysis or statistical, statistical evidence to back this up but if you think about the way they play and how high they push up the pitch that a lot of the game when Liverpool play is in the opposition half mm-hmm. and they also have wingers such as Salah and Mane obviously who win a lot of free kicks because they're technical they dribble at players and then when you've got Trent Alexander-Arnold whipping in deliveries like that and people like Matip and Van Dijk attacking them you're always going to be a threat so they've got that sort of dual uh, dual threat of which I don't think City have as much which is Liverpool can sort of threat, threaten from set pieces as well as in open play where a City a bit more um, not one-dimensional that seems ridiculous to say but Liverpool can go to someone like Burnley and put crosses in and challenge for goals where a City have to play their own way and maybe that, that sort of maybe that sort of thing will give them an edge a tiny tiny edge perhaps going forward JJ we felt like Napoli sort of gave us a little bit of a blueprint on how to play against Liverpool perhaps how to stop them attacking as effectively as they do in the Premier League and yet it just seems like not many people perhaps know what to do when they face them in the Premier League. Well, the problem is you're playing one of the best teams in Europe when you come up against them. If you try and sit deep, they end up finding a way through. If you try and push them high, then they go over the top of you and get in behind. They, did, they have everything really well balanced. I think the midfield is key, you're looking at it. And we talked about the defence being solid and everything. But they have players who win the ball and they have players who... Uh, provide the platform for everyone else to do what they need to do best and you don't need uh, uh, one of the things they played I think against who was it was they played Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain in the midfield from the start it was against was it Newcastle I, I think, think it so, was yeah it was Newcastle which makes sense because he can shoot from long range so then he's just got everyone who can play in this different bit so they're playing against a team who sits deep Oxlade-Chamberlain comes in he can punt it from 20 yards and find like a decent shot on target that gives them chances to you know come onto the goalkeeper who spills it and things like that. But the way they've put that squad together is uh, like they look really good. I, I worry what happens in the January, February slump that Klopp's teams sometimes get. It's yeah. the only thing I think will beat them is that. I was looking at their fixture list and it's actually, there isn't really like a really tough run for them until until January when they've got Tottenham away, Man U at home and then Wolves away in the space of around 10 days, which actually doesn't sound that tough considering the, those teams' current form. But based on the last... 18 months of football, that'll be a really tricky 10 days for them. But before that, there's not actually a huge amount of like bad pile-ups, which sometimes you get when you know a lot of a lot of difficult games come along at once. And so. if they lose your pal Firmino, then uh, mm. I think they fall, not fall apart, but they're totally different. He makes everything work for them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what, though? I, I, I watched it yesterday. I watched them quite closely. I think there is a problem between Salah and Mane. Do you? Yeah, I don't think it's. Oh, a you one-off. think that's stayed over now? Yeah, I think there's a problem there. Did you notice anything there in the Champions League game as well? 
I didn't see it. I was uh, watching Chelsea. Right. So I saw I probably the Champions League between those two, and I agree with Matt because you can tell that um, the Manny thing, him spilling over, is the build up of a long time of Salah stealing the stuff like we talked yeah. about in the pod before. It's not mm. a one off, is it? But in, in against Napoli, um, there's a couple of times when Salah was in Manny's position to trying to take shots that Manny should have, and uh, Manny, <laughs> rather than going nuts at him, to sort of stands and like breathes out and looks at him. There was there was that yesterday. There was a couple of occasions when Salah didn't pass to him when he should have passed to him as well. And now you're looking for it. That's the thing. I would never have yeah. noticed it before, but now you're looking for it. And he didn't pass to him in a couple of good positions. And you can tell Mane's just not happy about it. There's, there's a problem there. It's not just a little one-off. It's not just all jokey-jokey. Oh, everything's fine. I thought it was to start with, and I misread it. There's, there's a problem with those two. I think as well, because um, Salah wants to be, I don't know if he wants to be the star, but he wants to be involved in the game. So when he goes missing, he goes looking for it. But actually what he'd be better off doing is staying in his position to draw players away from others so that other people can have the fun but then he's not getting involved with the play as much mm. it's quite common with folk who are good on the ball and like to attack but uh, yeah you can, yeah, exactly what you're saying you can see it mm. Salah didn't this, uh, what's changed do you think because I would say that Salah's game ever since he came to Liverpool has been quite you know lots of shots lots of dribbles trying to do his own his own thing do you think Mane's now Got a different view of himself with probably. Within you team. know, they shared. They were they shared the top goal scorer last season, didn't they? I think Man Mane's probably now like, okay, I'm your equal now. Yeah, why is yeah. he not getting the same credit? Yeah, why is exactly. he not hailed as the I, amazing player? The first season, I thought that Manny adjusted a lot of what he did, and I thought he sacrificed a lot on a tactical level to also help Salah integrate himself as well within Liverpool. And maybe he just feels like I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to mm. be the guy that sacrifices. I, I want to also be the star. Mm. Yeah, you step up like like a promotion. It might not end up being a problem. They might just go the whole season being a bit sort of annoyed with each other. We, there's been plenty of strikers yeah. who've done that in yeah, the past. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean that everything falls apart. No, it, it but really I'm not having it that there's not a problem between the two of them. It might also drive them on a bit if they've got that little bit of fraction yeah. going on and be like, I'll show you. And that, yeah. that might help. Yeah, it might actually help in the end. But actually, that's interesting because what, what about Chelsea? Like, you know, we talked about the fact that they had chances. Tammy Abraham was in excellent form coming into this game. And. It looked like it was really strange. He had that chance and he sort of squandered a beautiful chance. Is it that sometimes he's intimidated by certain uh, opponents or was it just a bad game and a one-off? Or? No, I think that, that was just a good save by uh, Adrian. Like the, the one he missed when he's through in goal and he, he's shooting across the goalkeeper. Mm. You can either go near post, which I think Adrian's got covered, or you can't really get out the far post and he didn't lift it enough. It's just, just a miss hit. Or you square it to Mason Mount for a tap-in. Well, yeah. <laughs> I thought, actually, I I thought genuinely he provided quite a good threat. Um, but I do think with Tammy Abraham, and I thought this all of last season, he's he is a striker who needs a lot of chances. Mm. If he's he's not someone I don't think you can rely on. Clinical. To, he's not clinical enough that he'll always score his one chance in a game, and that's what he's got to add to his game. I mean, he's still young and still raw. And that might come that he becomes more clinical. I remember Andy Cole was like that from yeah. United. I thought, yeah, yeah, like uh, another kind of poacher. And uh, that could be. I mean, he'll, he, the things with uh, Abraham, he will always he score goals. Chances, he yeah. gets the chances, yeah. And he will always score goals. But at the moment, the player he's at the moment in in big games, the fear will be that if he gets one big chance, he will miss it. 
Yeah, it's easier when it's against a sort of newly promoted sides because they will concede a lot more chances for him to really show what he can do. It's a little bit tougher against, obviously, better opposition. But just a final word on Chelsea. They are a very exciting team to watch. They obviously opened up Liverpool a lot from the back. They concede tons of goals and they score a lot of goals as well. I mean, how do we? where do you see them sort of ending up at the end of the season? Well, they've got... They've, I think they've got to look at Liverpool's first season with Klopp when they took an eighth position and accepted it. And there was quite a lot of criticism around Klopp at the time about how he hadn't really improved Liverpool from Brendan Rodgers and things like that. I think I even said it. Um, and Chelsea could easily finish eighth. Hmm. I mean, I think, I think they'll probably finish higher than that because if, if Kante can stay fit, I think they'll have enough to, to start actually seeing off the smaller teams who they're not seeing off at the moment. But they could finish about eighth. And the test is whether they accept that. So they've now conceded 13 goals in six Premier League games. And that's their most at this stage of any season since 1978, which is quite eye-opening, I think, showing how much this has changed. And also their next three games are Brighton, Southampton and Newcastle, which you look at those three and think, if you're not getting, well, probably you're not getting nine points or at least seven points from those three games, then you're not going to be competing for the top four. And I just wonder how much the mood, Matt, you'll know better than me, but I wonder how much that mood might Change I don't know. I mean, they got an amazing applause off the pitch yesterday. I think, I think the match-going fans have bought into it. It's mm. fun to watch. Yeah. It's fun to watch. I think they've bought into it. I think they're willing to have a season of the results are going to be iffy, but if it's going to mean these kids get a go and it's going to be exciting, then we're going to we're going to stomach it. Well. Whatever problems Chelsea may have, they're not as dire as what Watford have. Mm. Manchester City obviously walloped them 8-0 and went uh, 5-0 ahead and and uh, hit, made Premier League history. Was it? Is this a reaction uh, to the fact that they lost to Norwich? Is this just them being them and Watford being, I don't know, a, a very poor version of themselves? It's not a good time to play City. I would say that after they've just lost that game, it's a really bad time to have to play them. So you Um, do think it's a point to prove then? I think that's got an element to it, yeah. Um, Here's a prediction for you, though. I'm convinced that Watford are going to do at least three managers this season. Kike Sanchez Flores isn't surviving this. this, No (laughs) chance. I mean, how can anyone? They've gone so early. I mean, it's it's a, it's a hard thing to get over an eight 0 Like well, if I'm sitting there and I'm your president, I'm thinking to myself, I'm wondering. Like, I mean, yeah. Javi Garcia's out of a job, so uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep going between yeah. them until. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it definitely is the players wanting to prove to themselves, even that that Norwich game is just a, a freak that happens now and again. They started this right on it, but Watford were awful. So like they turned up just like, oh, please don't hurt us. And you can see it kind of tentative, a uh, little clever. I wonder how much of that is that this is um, Guardiola getting Kevin De Bruyne to move out to the right wing all the time or whether it's just because he noticed he could go there. But all he was doing was going out, drawing players out and hitting these early balls across the defence and it was, uh, they couldn't deal with it. Watford had no idea what to do. Their fullbacks were getting torn apart. Um, they looked... It was really funny to watch it, not for Watford fans, obviously, but watching it uh, at the time, 
Uh, you're just like, wow, this could be anything. This is it. Did it. Didn't anybody else feel slightly cheated that it didn't end up 10? Well, yeah, but then the Guerrero hit the post twice. I just mean double figures. Yeah, I felt slightly (laughs) cheated that they didn't end up getting double figures. I I, think they should have one point deducted. I don't think they were even trying that much the second half either. I think it was that... This is um, what it is. How much is this? They want to embarrass them, I think. It's the professionals, and they're just like, ah, let's not kill them. 8-0 is definitely... 5-0 for 18 minutes is definitely embarrassing. Exactly. 5-0 after 18 minutes, you've got to get double figures. I swear, they weren't even trying that hard. You can't do that. You can't get double figures. That's so disrespectful. Well, it should be a point deducted then. The goals were so easy. Interesting thing as well. Silva got a hat trick, right? Playing a playing a left forward, which is what Sterling normally does. Yeah, and it kind of shows you that uh, Sterling is a good player, and he's like one of the best attackers in uh, Europe just now. But um, a lot of that is because of the way the team is built to give him these opportunities to score. <laughs> so though so he's, get, he's getting tap ins and things like that, Silva did exactly the same thing and was mad at you. Got a hat trick. I mean, are you saying that if you played left wing for City, you'd get loads of goals? And whiplash. <laughs> and whiplash. But, but De, how much of this was... is, is about Manchester City being fantastic, and they are always fantastic, or is this a lot to do with the fact that Watford were the most passively defensive team I've ever seen, like barely any of them even trying at some points, you know, sort of just standing around looking to see, oh, look, nice triangles being played right around us, you know. Is this Watford capitulating, or is this Manchester City showing you I the wonder whether best? this is Watford's... I've actually praised Watford's thing about changing managers and not being scared to but I wonder whether it's about to really hit them this season because I wonder now whether the players just aren't connected to anything Mm. why do the players care why should any Watford player feel invested in Kike Sanchez Flores when they know it's just going to get turned around turned around turned around and because the Chelsea players were invested Chelsea players it's a different thing though isn't it Chelsea players are at a level where there's a professional pride and they're still going for trophies yeah, they're playing for mm. titles aren't mm-hmm. they? I still wonder whether now though, those Watford players I don't really see what they've got to get invested in why should they care if Flores becomes another manager who's sacked with the start they've had and the, the, the problems that it looks like there is with a few attitudes there I, I possibly feel everything's now going to come back to bite Watford a bit so you're, but you're yeah. blaming the squad and perhaps not Flores, you're not. It's hard. I mean, why did he send? Why did he change the centre bank defend uh, the partnership? Why would you all of a sudden just change that? You know, I it think was a Cathcart great performance. Wasn't available or something, wasn't it? It wasn't. You, um, I don't actually know. You've got to blame the coach a bit because you know he set the team up. But I think, given he's only been in for his second game, I think the players' attitude has got yeah. to. If you're a, prof- a professional team, however good Manchester City are, you shouldn't lose eight 0 you should be able to, at yeah. some point, set yourselves up where you just stop. But, yeah, but then because I think because City scored in that first minute, this is the thing as well. It just then it just happens quite a lot. You just concede in spells of like 10, 20 minutes, and then eventually you find your you get back into your grounding when you are. And um, that was the problem is that they were already up five 0 within that opening yeah. spell. You can just like you punch can forgive drunk. a team for for not getting close enough to De Bruyne after an hour of chasing City and you're tired and you yeah and it's it's getting to you, but. It's 52 seconds and they let De Bruyne just pick his cross out. And, you know, yeah. of all the players to yeah, give that I space, know. like, he's the best, like, cross of the ball we've had probably since Gerrard in the Premier League. Like, he's taken the mick with some of his deliveries this season. And, like, that's one minute in. That's got to be on the players. There's no way Flores said, oh, yeah, give De Bruyne a load of space to pick out his man. Like, yeah, yeah <laughs> that, why not? <laughs> that's got to be the players. Sort of he's a genius. Not, not, not being intense <laughs> enough, not, not pushing enough. Okay, I mean... There are several teams in the Premier League that have problems, United being another one. 2-0 loss to West Ham. Before we go into United's troubles, how good are West Ham? Do you think they are a side that can 
rather than Everton, perhaps. Um, and like Leicester, push for that top six, please. I would put them in that bracket along with Leicester. Yeah, you look at their team and it's got a, quite a nice balance to it now. They've got sort of flair players up front and they're quite rugged where they need to be. The, the issue is always going to be, as it has been for them since Pellegrini came in, is, is consistency. Now they'll just sort of play really well against a good team and then the next week just basically disappear. But I quite like the balance of the team. And, and yesterday you looked at their midfield compared to Man United's and... Fantastic! I, it was just a better, it's just a better midfield, just better players. Even Mike Noble were getting that money needed. Yeah, Noble was brilliant. Mark Noble was brilliant. He was, yeah, he was yeah. phenomenal yesterday. <laughs> you guys made that. fun of me when I said that he needed. Uh, to yeah, play. we did. <laughs> we did. And um, yeah, and you got obviously Yarmolenko's. He's a very technically gifted player. He's obviously had a really impressive career, and he's now fit, doing well. They had no Lanzini yesterday, who started the season really well. JJ, you wrote about Lanzini, didn't you? He's a top, top, top player. And obviously, Felipe Anderson is. I think quality when he's on his game. I've seen I've seen him about ten times, and half the time he's been terrible, and half the time he's been amazing. So when they're all up for it and on it, as they were yesterday, I think they're a match for pretty much anyone. Right. So that's enough love for West Ham. Mm. Now let's start with the hate for United. Oh, I'm just lying. What's going on there? Because I, I look at this team and I I don't think it's that bad. The players aren't good enough. Yeah. But it is that you it is that it. yeah. So like Solskjaer, um is relentlessly optimistic and he has to be like if you if you are a negative coach you breed negativity in your players so he doesn't do that so he constantly talks them up and but is it now coming across as slightly delusional um, I think there's a point now where he might start to realise he's going to look stupid because if they keep letting him down he keeps backing them up um, mm. it makes him look like he's a fool to pick them but this is exactly what happened with Louis van Gaal exactly what happened with uh, with Jose Mourinho as well and eventually they both started throwing players under the various buses they've been trying to park and the reason Mourinho had them they were boring to watch Mourinho they're terrible but he made them really he's uh, a very pragmatic coach but he made them very defensive because they didn't have players good enough to defend properly if they opened up yep. so if they go on the attack and they turn over possession and the opposite team, come, opposite team comes at them they don't have centre backs who can deal with it and they just make individual errors as well and you see like teams are actively targeting Victor Lindelof now with like high balls towards him because they know he can't read it properly Harry Maguire can't fix everything Juan Bissaka is young and should be learning next to someone who can tell him where to go Lindelof's next to him he's learning he's about 23, 24 I think something like that yeah. he's still learning um, Ashley Young should be nowhere near the squad at this point he's old he should be in the, the ch- like dressing room helping trying to get a mentality going but he's on the pitch like one of his first involvements was to punt out a play with a 70 yard pass it's awful <laughs> in and the it, first 10 minutes yesterday <laughs> um, Maguire had accidentally kicked the ball out for his own corner uh, wan had fallen over his own feet and I think Lindelof had sort of skied a pass literally into like row F <laughs> and that's at West Ham that's saying something and like, like wan just... was good 7 years ago so he's one of them yeah. like relying on him as a creative player um, Rashford uh, does the hard things well, but the simple things kind of rarely or kind of badly. He doesn't make runs to the front post to attack the ball. He waits for it. He, uh, he doesn't seem to be in the right place <coughs> to get poachers' goals. He tends to just run onto something and, and create. I think he's a good player. Daniel James is still learning. Andres Pereira, I've, uh, he's he's going to be anonymous in La Liga in a couple of seasons. Yeah. It's the players who aren't there. I still think Solskjaer is a, a good coach, maybe not an elite, like top, top, top level one, but he, you know, he can maybe prove he can get there with the right players. But he needs another two transfer windows. The dressing room isn't there. The mentality isn't there to bring these young ones through. Of that starting eleven, I think Matt has won the league. Uh, Matic has won the league. And uh, Young has won the league. And so is De Gea. And like. You don't want any of them in your first team. I can't even hear. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about Pogba all the time, and he's mm. never been consistent enough for what he's supposed to be. 
But you can imagine, if you're West Ham, if you're Declan Rice, for example, when you look at that Man United team sheet yesterday and you see Matic, McTominay and Mata, that's you, exactly mu- you what must just ask. look at it and think, that's just like, I'm going to have an easy day here. I'm mm. just going to bully them. Mm. Whereas when you see Pogba, you think, OK, this guy's bigger than me. He's stronger than me. He's faster than me. He's got more skill than me. It's going to be a tough one. And just like the lack of star quality on that team yesterday was just really quite striking. Because we've all grown up with United teams being, being you know, attacking, thrilling, you know, top level players. And, yeah. and it's just so far away from that right now. And obviously there are injuries and Pogba and Martial change the look of that team a bit. But Pogba especially, I think he's their only uh, like top elite level player. He's the only one. I know he makes mistakes and you, you can call him out for loads of stuff, but United now are where Liverpool were in the 90s, basically. Off the back of that, um, great manager, uh, a rugged a rugged Glaswegian came in and made them slightly worse. And, uh, and now they have just... They don't have players good enough to take them to the level that they need to be at. They've wasted too many transfer windows not bringing in quality that they needed. Uh, the structure hasn't been there for too long. And th- what they need now is to look at what like Liverpool did post Rodgers when they took Klopp in and accepted an eighth kind of place. And Solskjaer is the man who would get them to this eighth place. And they have to have faith that he's the one who would then get them above that. But like dropping down that low is lower than they were even last season. I don't know why See, you'd have any faith in him, though. No. There's, there's if you nothing, ask me... What, there's what, nothing that makes me think you should have faith in him. I don't know why you think he's a good coach. Because um, I know it's Norwegian football, maybe not the best, but he took Molde from where they were relatively mid-table obscurity and made them very good. Mm. He won the league with them the first time, I think, in his first or second season, and then he won it again, and he won the cup. Uh, he also he won the reserves of Man United. It doesn't really matter, but it's still a level that he shows he knows how to win a league. Then when he went back to Molda after the disaster at Cardiff, he again took them from they'd fallen down again once he'd gone and mm. took them back up the challenge again. So he knows how to put a squad together in a different league to challenge, and he knows what it is to win. He's also got experience of winning as a player under a very good manager. Um, I know it looks like he may not be a great coach, but he's not got a great team just now. He's got a team that are pretty much suited to being, I would say, top eight at the moment. And if he he says the right things and he sees that he wants to play in a certain way, which is the, what the fans want, he's got a coaching team there. It's quite young. Mike Phelan is a good coach. Uh, and it was, in, it was there when, Manu, when Ferguson was there. The other two coaches, main coaches they've got, are Michael Carrick, brand new to it, mm. and uh, Kieran McKenna, who is highly rated. But again, he's, like he's a young boy, so I think he's about, about my age actually. I think. And uh, what a lot of these managers who win things will have older coaches. Like look at uh, Guardiola's team is a lot more experienced. You know, Arteta is probably the youngest he's got on that sort of bench. And even the coaching staff behind the scenes, everything's just not quite there. But with time as long as they trust in that project that Solskjaer can be the guy that does it, um, they should be okay. But with Klopp, you had exp- you had high-level proof he'd done it. Yeah, exactly. This is the thing. Solskjaer's but- currently their only striker as well. Also, if I, just, <laughs> if I look at this team, I actually don't think there's... The defence is not that bad. Even You can have a great defence, but if you don't have a system, it doesn't work. Um, and if and I don't think the forwards are that bad. I look at that, and for me, it's the midfield. Like, if you ask me what's the difference between them and any team going forward, I would change all their midfielders. If I had, I don't know, a Rakitic, a Kante, I think that team could do so much better. So is it? can they even attract those types of players that will make the difference for United going forward? They should buy Ndidi from Leicester and John McGinn from Aston Villa. And, and, that would be, and Madison from Leicester. Yeah, that, that, and that would, be, that would make them a good Again, team. Again, none, none of these guys, though, have the experience of Champions League or anything of higher level. 
Yeah, but they're just really good. No, I know they're good, <laughs> but I think that what they need sometimes is a nice blend of veteran experience and youth. But those, those, they've tried getting in these veteran players, like they've brought in Ibrahimovic, Ibrahimovic to okay, brought in. Not, not dying veteran, I'm looking about sort of <laughs> like... Schweinsteiger brought in, he thought it'd be... You, you bring in experience, right? What, when are you going to get them? If they're at the peak level, what mental club would get rid of them? None. The money it would take in to get someone like Sergio Ramos peak level, you're not going to do it. You have to buy a player who's not got that peak experience, like Virgil van Dijk at Southampton, and bring them in and take them up. Who would like, you buy, Mina? Who are you suggesting? I don't know. I mean, I think Rakitic, they could have gone. I think he's a fantastic player. Yeah, I mean, he's slightly older now. You, you get much years out of him. Yeah, or you only need one or two. You need him to show the guys going forward what they need to do. It's just about their intelligence in midfield. And then if they start winning again, or at least reaching top four, then they can start attracting a little bit more talent. But with them not going for this, they keep falling down lower and lower, the pecking order. Mm. And even less players want to go there of, at the moment. I mean, it's it's crazy to think in a world where Paolo Dybala would rather be on a bench than go to United. I've never thought of that in my life would ever be serious. But so, enough of them a second. We have to move on. Can I make a quick on. point about Wan-Bissaka? Yeah, yes. sure. I know you have to move on, but I'm going to make a point anyway. Um, obviously, he has all these amazing tackle stats. That everyone talks about like, oh, he's made the most tackles of anyone in Europe. He never gets dribbled past. But yesterday, there was a point where like West Ham were like going down the left wing, and they it was literally like in the corner flag, going nowhere. Like three three United players around uh, Cresswell, I think. And Wan Bissaka just came in and like, did this amazing slide tackle and gave <laughs> West Ham a throw in. Like why? That wasn't good defending. And the people were like, yeah, he's got great tackle tackle stats, but like. That's actually not good defending. It was more, if he just sort of stood him up, he couldn't have gone anywhere. They would have won the ball back. That's you the thing. It. If you play Sunday League, uh, you can have the best game and not give the ball away even once, but no one thinks you've done well until you've taken someone out. <laughs> just you you it see, in Italy, we look at tackle stats as meaning that you were in the wrong position so that you had to commit a tackle. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The old cliche. Yeah. Was it Was it Maldini? Uh, absolutely. Was it Maldini? Say? Well, he said, oh, if you make a tackle, you're, well, you're obviously in the you wrong position said. to begin with. Yeah. Spurs going to finish third like what, what this was such an interesting game how much of that can be attributed to VAR or was it just Spurs being Spurs <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> they've surrendered leads in three of their last four games I know that's it's looking pretty bad for them at the moment Spursy. Spursy. Uh, Spursy, they've yeah. not won away since. another midfield problem there there doesn't seem to be yeah. much of a filter on defensive level well, they've got no width that's their problem so before January last season they had the best away form in the Premier League uh, since January they've only won once which was against Fulham which was in January. Um, and what changed in January? They sold Moussa Dembele. So I would suggest... So that's the resolve. I would, like, I would, my theory, I would suggest, is that the lack of control in midfield and the yeah. lack of sort of um, players to absorb pressure, because Harry Winks is very good on the ball, but he's struggling to do the defensive work. Um, the lack of midfield sort of control is a big part of the problem. And I think there's a mentality problem as well. You know, we talked a lot at the, sort of around the transfer window about all these players they've got who are coming to the end of their contract now. How many are as motivated as they used to be? You know, you've got three guys who from January can start speaking to clubs overseas. You've got other guys like Dyer and Deli Ali who just aren't around it at the moment and you wonder what their mentality is like. You've got new players coming in who need a bit of time. You've got other people just looking stale. It just... The away form just seems to sum up the mentality. They might me. have hit a ceiling as well. Like yeah. That Champions League final was that they didn't win that, and that's sort of the the point now. And you think we are not. If you're Harry Kane or Christian Eriksen, you think I'm not going to win the league here ever. I mm. want to do that. I'll go somewhere else to do that. I'm probably going to win the Champions League again. I won't get to this this ridiculous height again. Um, a cup run doesn't really matter. You want to be playing at the very highest level, and I think a lot of the players realise that that's 
that's where they are. And what they've got on like the, the squad they have, like the mid, talk about a lack of midfield control. Is they have no white, they have no wingers, no natural width, so they're relying on their fullbacks. But everyone knows it now, so they just keep them pinned back. Absolutely. And it's really defending against them. If you look at their touch maps at like average positions. Um, as a, as a team, they're always right through the middle. Like there's almost all through the through the middle third, and uh, all teams have to do is sit deep against them and, and they run out of ideas. Uh, they didn't play Ericsson again. Was there a reason he didn't play? Is it just tiredness? Not that I know. No, no just rotation. And, and it just, just changes everything up. And Harry Kane, um, I'm still yet to figure out what's quite wrong with him. But he's not playing the same way he used to. He's not playing off the last man. He's not shooting as much as he used to. He's dropping. I think because he's wound up by everyone else not doing the stuff he thinks he should be and looking for the ball all of the time. Is it because Ali's not alongside him? <sighs> Maybe, but then you've got Son off of him, so I think Son's in the running that he used to do, or he normally does, rather than Son being out wide. So when Son's wide, then Kane's fine through the middle, but because he's next to him in a two and he's got Lamella behind him, I don't know what Lamella does either. Like, he's quite a good footballer, but he doesn't <laughs> seem to actually do anything. <laughs> The defence is getting about, worse as well. You know, Alderweireld and Vertonghen yeah, not foundations are just they... sort of getting a percent lower, percent lower. They're not getting any better. Sanchez is a bit rash when he comes in. Fullback's an issue. The Trippier thing looks like a mistake now. Mm. There's issues, this issues all over the place for Spurs. What about James Madison? He was fantastic. Uh, probably the shining light of the weekend in terms of performances. Why do you think Southgate is reluctant to give him more minutes? Oh, this is my big bugbear of the last international break. And I know this is very retrospective to go back to. Yeah. How could Southgate give Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain 13 minutes off the bench um, against whoever it was, however many goals we were up, and not have a look at James Madison? I just do because, not get it. Is it because off the ball, James Madison is not the player I don't that he care. Wants. At the time, we're about 4 0 up. Yeah, it's true. What it's not really like it was from the point? start of a game. Just yeah. have a look at him. And if you have to change your formation to do it in a game, have a look at him. You've got to have a look at him. Okay, so formation, we know. Southgate, hasn't Southgate said before that because we play with a, a 4 3 3, we haven't got a number 10. So I get that from the start, but in a game, you can change formation. Exactly. And when yeah, you're winning a game easily, change formation, have a look at him. You have and to when be versatile that, and adaptable. Yeah. Especially when he's clearly that good. Yeah. <laughs> he's playing this well. Like, what message does it send to someone who's doing this well, young? And it's not just in the last few games, it's for like a year now. Yeah. It'd be a whole changing system, though. This is, so this is why I think it's, he hasn't put him in just yet but maybe will in the future because they're playing that 4-3-3 which is very different to 4-2-3-1 and the reason is they want the three midfield three to be people who win the ball and keep it very sturdy they don't want any um, unnecessary flair or things like that it's meant to be quite a, I don't know what the word is just rigid you know that kind of midfield that sits between the defence and the attack so that, that way they can play more forwards in central positions like uh, Kane, Sterling and Rashford all at the same time so they get that as soon as you put Madison into that Straight away, you've only got two midfielders covering that, that same amount of space, and he'll go forward and drift into spaces behind it. But he'll actually end up operating in the same spaces as players like Kane when they drop into the hole, and it makes that whole thing not work. And you have to rely on your fullbacks to get forward to give you width, and then all of a sudden you've got all sorts of other problems. But if you change to forty-three-one, then you have to have a left, a wide left player, as a you know an inside forward probably or a winger. But I don't know if England still <laughs> still don't have. One of them yet, did they? Well, Maybe not, this but deserves you could another go pod. Sterling? <laughs> deserves another pod. Probably we ahead have of to... the next England get-together. Oh, yeah. Yes, but we want to talk about it a little bit when we talk about, you know, mentalities, fragile mentalities. Arsenal looked like they might have overcome it this weekend when they did, came back from, you know, Aston Villa's goals and actually won that match. Matt, I'm sure that that was I'm not talking about it. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> okay. I'm not talking about it. I can't talk about it. Sam, you talk okay. about it. Uh, on the positive side for Arsenal... 
Um, when Emery, when Unai Emery came in, um, what he was told by people both within and outside the club was that, and what we all knew was that Arsenal were feeble, a bit weak, a bit fragile. His um, first or primary objective last season, and well, since he took over, he says, has been to sort of make them tough again, make them mentally tough, make them fight, make them competitive, reinstall that spirit that was lost in the final years of Arsene Wenger. If we look at it from that point of view, which is if that's his top objective, this was a really big step forward for them because it showed a lot of that spirit. But then you go beneath that and all the same problems that we've been having this season remain and all the actual technical on-pitch problems are there and everyone can see them, which is that they are so wide open. It's you know it's hard to believe how open they are. I mean, I was in Frankfurt with them last week and like that game could honestly have finished about 5-5. And the same applied for the Watford game the week before. And yesterday, it looked like, I mean, in the first half, Villa were just like, <laughs> Grealish and McGinn were just had literally the whole the whole pitch to, to run around in. And it's clearly an issue with Xhaka playing as a holding midfielder, as it has been for a while. Um, and I don't think, when, however great Gwendouzi is, and he was probably the key man in the, in the comeback yesterday, and he was the key man against Spurs two weeks ago as well. However good he is, he's not disciplined. He's not. He's sort of quite a free-spirited... Out of position all the time. He's running around yeah. like mental, which is great when you're chasing a game and he's winning all these tackles and putting all these crosses in and stuff. But when you're trying to control a match, we're talking about control and Spurs, and when you're trying to sort of dominate a game the way that Arsenal probably should be doing against Aston Villa, he's clearly not helping either. So there's a lot of issues for Emery to solve there. And it seems that signing Nicolas Pepe has made them more open because they've got more attackers on the pitch, whereas last year he basically just played Lacazette and Aubameyang. And the rest just did the work behind them. So there's a lot of issues with balance and all that going forward. But as we say, if, you, if your main objective is to toughen you up, then this is a massive step forward. Is there a question of balance when it comes to Wolves? They're still without a win. Last team uh, that I'd like to talk to you about. Obviously, Palace got the goal, should have probably had all three points, but then Wolves managed to rescue a point. We know that Palace has a few issues in scoring goals from Schlupp and Benteke taking too many touches or whatever it may be. But what about Wolves? What's going on there? They were so brilliant last season and they're still without a win. Um, I think it's a case that, as we predicted last season and have mentioned a couple of times this season, that uh, teams know what to expect from them and they don't have the same, uh, what is it, the same kind of momentum that they did last season to carry them through a lot of these games. They're having to manage Europa League and switching back and forth. The defence isn't exactly the same as it was last season either. But um, yeah, Crystal Palace should have won this. They had loads of chances to win it. Hodgson was furious at the end. Can't blame him. Ben Teke on. Oh, oh, oh yeah. stop oh, taking so many. Straight the keeper. Oh. Oh. It was so annoying to watch. He practices every day in training. How is he still hitting it straight at the goalkeeper? <laughs> That's have. a confidence thing, isn't it? When you're yeah. just so desperate to hit the target, you end up hitting the keeper all the time. And the only way to get over it is to target. score. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's such a... It's impossible to fix, yeah. I was alarmed by I mean, I wasn't on the pod last week. I'd been to the Wolves-Chelsea games. I was really alarmed watching Wolves. I mean, their defence had gone, looks like it's slightly gone to pieces. I wonder as well where the players like Neves and Moutinho, now they've sort of achieved what they have with Wolves, whether there's a bit of sort of Moutinho's contract is coming to an end, Neves has been linked with a lot of big clubs. What are they really going to achieve with Wolves long term? I wonder whether a little bit of focus has gone. It'll be interesting the fact they've got this point, which will have felt like a victory, whether this kickstarts the season now. Let's see about that. We have uh, our Champions League wrap. Liverpool have obviously been unbelievable in the Premier League. We know it's been sort of coming up to a week since they played this game, but Napoli did beat them 2 0. 
which was uh, surprising because when the changes happened, we thought Liv- Napoli actually lost a, a beat but ended up winning 2-0. What is it with Liverpool and their away games in Europe? What's it with them? I mean, it's just Napoli, isn't it? So they lost their last season as well. Uh, so you think it's... No, but they also lost six of their last eight away games in uh, Europe. Well, Anfield's just this mysterious beast that carries them through a lot of things. Um and they did win the Champions League. Like, yeah, like I the European form's okay. Like, you think it's okay? Just okay. <laughs> Is there anything to worry about? Basically, I don't think so. I mean, teams are teams are always stronger at home. Like statistically, there's a slight advantage to the home team. But in Europe, I think it, I'd love to know what the actual statistic is. But um, it, it, there's no difference that there are in the way they approach games. It's just that the home teams. Are, I mean, the teams are playing against the Premier League are totally different to the ones in Champions League. So it is a different way you've got to play you can't be quite so relentless but you look at like Klopp has taken Dortmund to Champions League finals he's taken Liverpool to two now yeah he knows what he's doing and uh, it's just it's, trust. it's just like really good players who might achieve something in a very good team against Liverpool sometimes at home I don't think there's anything to worry about it's just that's how football goes you lose games sometimes doesn't mean you've done something wrong when you lose <laughs> absolutely well I uh, sometimes with Pep and City I do think that but anyway Chelsea a little bit poor versus Valencia. Valencia have their own problems, obviously. Sacked Marcelino. Huge outrage going on with the fans at the club. They can't believe the direction they're going in. And yet they won against Chelsea. Yeah, they made Chelsea look what they are as well, a little bit naive. You know, mm. you could kind of you could kind of see what was coming. You could kind of see that they were going to nick a goal and that it would, it would be enough. I think Chelsea are going to struggle. To, I thought it before and I, I just think even more they're going to actually struggle to get out of that group. Do you think Spurs are going to struggle considering that they threw away... I'll tell you what, if Spurs, if Spurs lose at home to Bayern Munich, all of a sudden that becomes tricky. But I think it was touch and go it. last season as well. And it was, it. Well, it wasn't just touch and go. They're out of it last season. I mean, it's a miracle they got through the group in the end last season. Um, and it will become tricky for them if they lose at home to Bayern Munich because it means probably they wouldn't be able to have another slip. But I, I really think, you know, you've got to think Ajax are the strongest side in their group. They're going to have to go... Chelsea are probably going to have to win in an Ajax or a Valencia to get through that group now, which I'd be surprised if they did it. Okay, so looking at the English teams in the Champions League, who do you think uh, might not make it to the next round? I don't think... I'd be, I, th- I thought this from the start. I thought it would be a miracle if Rampard gets them through the group stage of the Champions League. I, I think it's they would have been better in a group with one standout team who were by far better than all the others and then the rest a bit rubbish and everyone's playing for second place than this group they've got that seems very sort of equal. Um, I think everyone will take points off each other, but I don't think Chelsea will take enough points off everyone else. Thank you, producer Joel, for that lovely rendition of Spanish music. It's now a song for Europe, which is essentially me just giving a monologue, but this time around I'm, I'm going to actually ask the panel because they've watched the games. So let's start with... Uh... I haven't. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, which games are you referring to? <laughs> well, JJ watched a little bit of Real Madrid. Okay, Barcelona <laughs> lost 2-0 to Granada. Um, this uh, is... Well, the question is, this must be the worst result for some time. How did it happen? And Granada were top of the league momentarily, at least on Saturday. It's all getting a little bit uh, troubling for Barcelona at the moment. I don't know why sometimes people look at them and think, yeah, they're sure favourites to win the league, perhaps because Atletico were rebuilding and Real Madrid have been rather poor for some time. But the essence of it is that I'm not entirely sure Barcelona are very well run or very well balanced, and I don't think that they've made the right purchases over the summer. 
So this result condemns Barcelona to what is, I think, the worst start uh, to La Liga for 25 years. They're now, I think, in eighth. Mm-hmm. Um, There's noises about, very exciting noises that Xavi might be getting lined up to come in. Wouldn't that be good? Well, He'd be managing Qatar, yeah? With his attitude, I'm He's not entirely sure. In Qatar. In, in Qatar. Qatar, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. sorry, in Qatar. Yeah. But yeah, I do, everyone keeps saying that, oh, Madrid are in crisis, Zidane's going to go. I was like, oh actually four points clear of Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this oh. is exactly the brilliant point that you just made, Sam, because I always feel like with Madrid, they're always sort of disappointing in everyone's eyes. Sedan is a rubbish coach because Di Matteo also won the Champions League. Isn't that true? Um, people don't rate him. But when it looks at Bar- when we look at Barcelona, and despite the fact that these guys keep bringing in players, you know, trying to go for Neymar, practically tried to sell off their entire squad to do that. Oh, we'll give you these three players in return for Neymar obviously created issues in the dressing room. There isn't any consistency. Valverde is one of the highest paid coaches, I think the second highest paid in Europe. He's on, what, 23 million. Um, And his position looks terrible, especially when we see what happened as well midweek in the Champions League for them against Dortmund. How Dortmund didn't win is beyond me. But there are serious problems there in Barcelona. And I think that this needs to be something that they need to address. They're winless away. Um, in the league, and now this stretches back to April. Um, they're what? blunt in attack. Why do they sign Griezmann? He's just, I, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but like he just plays in the same position as Messi, which is like you know, off the front man, left footed, diminutive. No, he plays as a striker through the middle, and it, 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 he was available for the price he was at. And then Suarez is, I mean, I don't think he's the player he was, Suarez now. And he's got Suarez needs to go. Yeah. Griezmann's not a Suarez replacement, he's more of a he plays as a nine, yeah, he's a great nine. Mm. I think I think that's a great position for him. I, I think Griezmann is a great player. When he won the World Cup, he played off Giroud. He played off Costa. No, he's multi-talented. He's obviously he very good. Well, but I think that he was, what, one of the best players in La Liga. I think it made perfect sense. It doesn't make sense if you're also going for Neymar, though, because then mm. what you have is an overload going forward and then not enough balance in the rest of the team. But despite that, you know, everyone keeps talking about the re- the crisis going on at Real Madrid. We know that they were defeated midweek. JJ, you thought they were rather poor against PSG. Madrid were absolutely rotten against PSG. Um, Thomas Tuchel's got PSG. It seems sorted out as the midfield uh, being nice and balanced and, and full of energy. Adrissa Gay was really good as well, the kind of player they needed. And that's without Neymar and Mbappe and Cavani as well. Icardi was kind of anonymous, but I thought... Uh, it's always anonymous. <laughs> I thought he was, uh, yeah, I think PSG were good, but Real Madrid looked nothing like Real Madrid to me. Well, if we talk about Barcelona being a little bit poor to the start of the season because they have had Messi injured, Real Madrid have really just had this transfer window where they finally made purchases over many years now. What James Rodriguez and Thibaut Courtois have been their only purchases really since 2014 that are of high value. Um, this summer they've made a few of them but again we're talking about a team that has a little bit of an aging midfield um, and has the same players there hasn't been too many refreshing sort of legs coming in of great power other than Eden Hazard who has been injured at the start of the season they lost Cristiano Ronaldo which is which is huge in trying to change that and despite all of that and how many people talk about crisis and Zidane underperforming they are top of the league, on level on points with Athletic Bilbao. They are a team that, when they want to, can still do it. They've managed to go to Sevilla in the sanchez Pichuan, which is a very hard stadium, and they haven't collected a win there for so long, and they managed it on this, this time round with Karim Benzema. They're still a team that is a little bit scary, but you have to understand that sometimes things take a while to recover, and it takes time to recover from losing um, Ronaldo. If they want, 
You know, I mean, I don't know what's going on with him in Juventus, but Juventus won, obviously, over the weekend. The other interesting news is obviously Lukaku. What do you guys make of his performances for Inter? He scored in the Milan He's going to score a lot of goals, isn't he? 20 goals? This is interesting, actually, because, you know, he got into a fight with the team. Um, yeah, but then they both scored, didn't they? Him and Brozovic. They did. Now, this is what's really interesting is last year, Brozovic had a, a little bit of an issue with Icardi, and now it seems like he has a little bit of an issue with Lukaku. So apparently, or according to Gazette dello Sport, um, their midweek uh, performance in the Champions League resulted in Lukaku at halftime saying that Inter needed to be more courageous going forward to put him in the right places. Brozovic took issue with that, and apparently they had a little bit of a tete-a-tete. But uh, like you said, maybe this isn't a problem, or maybe this will be. I don't know how it will be going forward, but it's worth mentioning that Milan are a hideous side this season. And and they do have a, a coach who is... He's really famous for his plan A, but he can't play his plan A at the moment because the team isn't set up for him. And he's trying a plan B, a plan C. So it, it is a, it's a bad team. So into winning it, you reckon Inter will win the title, don't you? I've thought that from the start, just because of Conte. Mm. He's, he's, he's one of the closest modern-day coaches at the moment who I just think is a guarantee. So Conte will win a You guarantee Juventus. he's going to win a trophy. Yeah. If you look back what he did with Chelsea now, history mm. it is a miracle. It's an absolute miracle what he did with Chelsea. And, and actually, the Italian national team as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Like whatever you think of him, and whatever you think of the fact that in two, three years it will all blow up and go mad, he's an absolute guarantee of silverware. It, it's a miracle what he did at Juventus as well at the start. Yeah. I mean, what he built there was uh, nothing short of astonishing. But what he did in Europe is exactly a very Antonio Conte thing with what Inter's performance. But would you'll know far better than I would. Surely Inter fans would write off the Champions League to win Serie A this season. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think most of them would give their line. Napoli would do anything yeah. as well to win the league. So, but whether or not they can overcome a Ronaldo, you know, Ronaldo's Juventus is the interesting point. But it is Sari. He's still trying to get to grips with it. So uh, we never know. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. My money's also on Conte. Didn't Ramsey score? Aaron Ramsey? Ramsey did yeah. score. Deflected up and, shot. Up and running. It is Hellas Verona. So let's not keep right Monaco, Monaco still haven't won, have they? Don't think they've won a game yet this season. I'm pretty sure Monaco was... Yeah, yeah Jardim, genius. He is a genius. He's not a genius. He is, he's absolutely a he's genius. A Have you seen fraud. the team? Have you, s- Have you seen how many players they've bought for him? Oh my God. Have you seen None how he's ruined None of which is big, they're all Thierry Henry's bigs. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. Yes, they are. You, what, you think he wanted Fabregas? Fabregas is Thierry Henry's picks. Every single player from Fabregas onwards... They bought him Pietro Pellegrini, a 16-year-old, and nothing was like, come on, Thierry Henry. He, Monaco, Hadim, how many Hadim players did Monaco nothing. sign in the summer? Hadim is nothing short of a genius. He's I'm a telling fraud. you, he's a genius. A fraud. Okay. We can't have this conversation. They haven't won a, they gonna... won a game this season. Go away. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the podcast. And don't worry, Tom returns to presenting duties next week. In the meantime, contact the podcast, afcpodcast at telegraph.co.uk. We'll read out the best of what you send us. Subscribe to the podcast. Search for Telegraph Audio Football Club. Thanks to Joel Grove on the button and thanks to you for your company. I'll talk to you again soon. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. 
Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 